Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're listening to Going for Gold, the weekly women's health podcast. My name's Roisin. I'm senior editor on women's health, and this is your weekly chance to plug in, be inspired, and get expert advice on how to achieve the health and wellness goals that matter most to you. Before we get stuck in, how are we all doing out there this week? The news cycle has been intense, to say the least, so I hope you've all been able to take care of yourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and that you're all staying safe, um, whatever that looks like for you right now. On today's episode, we are talking about healthy cooking on a budget, as it's something that loads of you have got in touch to say you'd love us to do an episode on. So, Rachel, Saffron, Ro, Polly, and IG users Sassika and at the most pink lady, this one is for you. My guest is Dr. Rupi Orjula, a medical doctor and founder of Culinary Medicine, which is a UK nonprofit organization that basically teaches doctors the fundamental principles of nutrition and how they can apply them to their patients. As he kind of goes into, doctors aren't really taught about nutrition in medical school. He's also a best-selling author of the Doctor's Kitchen cookbook series. He hosts a podcast of the same name, and he's one of the most passionate advocates out there for the health and happiness benefits of falling in love for the food and really getting confident in the kitchen. Dr. Rupi joined me last week with his rather vocal Cavapoo puppy nutmeg to discuss how cooking was so vital for really nailing your nutrition when you're on a budget, the kitchen essentials all healthy cooks need, and how to prepare those mega healthy and mega cheap, but also rather um, gas promoting beans and pulses to avoid bloating wind and all the rest Um, if you know you know and if you don't you're going to hear all about it soon Uh, this is a super positive conversation about embracing the joy that comes from experimenting in the kitchen and really falling in love with food i hope you find it useful Dr. Rupi Orjula, uh, welcome to Going for Goal. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We are talking this week all about how to kind of really nail nutrition on a budget, which is of real concern for people at the moment where I think COVID-19, lockdown, there has been some real reassessment going on. And obviously, we don't quite know the full economic fallout of things yet. But people are tightening their purse strings and thinking, right, where can I save? Where have I been frittering money? And so, and then, of course, how do I protect my health whilst using this uh, slightly truncated budget? But before we get into all that. I'm sure quite a lot of our listeners will be familiar with you through your books, through your podcast, The Doctor's Kitchen. Can you tell me a little bit about your 
the philosophy with it, with which you approach health and nutrition and how you got to that point, how it came to be formed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great place to start. And it's, um, it's an odd time, but I think it's definitely a time of opportunity right now to be a bit more experimental with the kitchen. But my sort of journey started when um, I qualified as a junior doctor uh, 11 years ago um, and I got ill. Long story short, I had atrial fibrillation. It's a cardiac condition where um, your heart beats exceptionally fast, and in my case, irregularly. Um, that led me down uh, the path of trying to you know, see multiple different cardiologists, get lots of different people's opinions. And um, I was definitely going to have something called an ablation, which is where you put a guide wire into the heart and you burn an area of uh, misfiring cells, essentially. And what happened is um, my mum, who is not medically qualified, basically said, you know, you need to look at your diet and your lifestyle. Um, And I thought, you know, as a conventionally trained doctor, that was kind of like a bit woo-woo, a bit left field, was never really taught nutrition at medical school. So really to appease her, I said to my cardiologist, is it okay if I try a few things um, uh, in anticipation of me having this procedure? And they said, yes, you know, take the medications, whatever. And so that led me down a deep dive of, you know, learning about nutrition myself. I was already a really good cook or a really good cook. I was an amateur cook, I would say. Um, (laughs) I still regard myself as an amateur cook as well. Um, And I just sort of applied what I knew about flavor, combinations, uh, the cultural variety of food, um, to healthy eating. So out went cereals in the morning and you know, the soggy sandwiches at the hospital canteen. In came lots of different colors, variety, and a plant-focused diet. And I combined that with a whole bunch of uh, other lifestyle um, uh, changes. So meditation, sleep hygiene when I wasn't doing night shifts. And I, and I overcame my own medical condition. And so that really inspired me to do an even deeper dive into nutrition and have more honest, open conversations with patients. And that led to a huge amount of interest. And I was known, I I started training as a general practitioner back in 2011. um, And I became known in my practice as the doctor that would give nutrition advice to patients. And loads of patients got wind of that. And so I thought, how how am I going to deal with this? Because I'm my, my clinic times again later and later. I'm giving recipes out left right center. People are asking me about arthritis, type two diabetes, high blood pressure, or just general health. Um, and that's where the idea of the doctor's kitchen was born uh, a, a platform where I could educate people, talk about ingredients, the clinical research behind them, and inspire people to eat their way to health. And I, I guess if I could distill um, the principles of healthy eating, ones that I talk about in both of my books and haven't changed, um, it's eating colorful, quality fats, lots of fiber, plant-focused, and eating whole as well. Eating quality fats is things like whole fats, nuts and seeds. Uh, eating colorful means variety on your plate, so you're getting a good um, suite of different micronutrients and phytonutrients, the thousands of plant chemicals that you find that offer protective protective values to, to the human host. Um, fiber, um, something that's hugely lacking in our diet. We have less than the recommended 30 grams, but actually we should be eating way more than 30 grams eventually, not, not to convince people to transition quickly if you're used to a low fiber diet and you suddenly go to a high fiber diet 
everyone else will know about it and you will know about it as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, eating whole, which is basically along the spectrum of food, we have whole food in its raw, uncooked form, and then you have um, processed food of which sugar is a very good example, something that's been hugely, hugely refined. And we really want to get move the um, uh, move our, our, us along the spectrum towards the whole. And, uh, and finally, plant-focused, and, and this is probably – uh, where there is a, as much furor as you can imagine across social media and across scientific disciplines because it, it crosses into ideology and it has a whole mm. bunch of other ramifications with regard to the environment as well as ethics. Um, but certainly from what I've seen, a plant-focused diet, and to put that in context, probably around 85-90% plant-based um, and I'll have oil and some meat products in my diet is when I, I generally eat everything. Um, but uh, yeah, like a plant-focused diet is certainly the one that we would all benefit from. This week, we're looking at the goal of managing to eat well on a budget. When we think about, I think particularly when we think about plant-based or what, what do you call it? Plant? Uh, pl- I call it plant-focused. <laughs> so you have plant focus and then I've had plant forward. So that's oh, what I was okay. getting confused uh-huh. with. But so plant focus, plant forward, plant-based diets. And um, often people can get the impression that this is quite an expensive way to eat. I understand that concern massively. Um, but but it's it's a bit of a myth. Shop economically, i.e. go for the raw, uncooked lentils, soak them and then cook them, and then you have a huge batch which you can freeze or you can put in you can, you know, use in so many different uh, recipes versus um, you know, the ones that you you buy pre cooked or whatever. Or if you just go for that, you know, option that's um packaged food or convenience food, then it's actually gonna cost you a lot more in the long run. Um to your health, let alone to to your pocket. So, so these are the things that I, I try and, uh, and get people to think about, and it kind of comes out in the books as well. In fact, one of the chapters I wrote in my first book was um, "Health is not a privilege." Uh, and actually, if you follow the principles of the recipes, it's no more expensive than the average household can afford. So, I think we need to kind of reframe our thinking about: okay, what is a healthy meal and how much does that actually cost? And when you, when you break it down, it, it's, it's not as expensive as people think, but the, the time is perhaps the biggest expense. Um, yeah. right now I think we will have a lot more time to be, uh, totally. <laughs> And I think that's where, to your point earlier, when you were talking about this actually weirdly being a bit of an opportunity, I think, um, so for many people that I've spoken to, many people getting in touch with us, they are realizing that so much of their money would go on convenience food, even if it's not particularly unhealthy convenience food. And it is that busyness and that rushing and that darting around everywhere that, yeah, now we are realizing that it's been this busyness which has been costing us so much yeah. so that now actually now is the time to maybe kind of go back to basics a little bit. We, um, I love what you were saying there about buying, like buying the big bag of lentils, buy the big bag of rice, like buy the stuff which isn't pre-cooked. Yeah. Do you have, and that's a really great way for saving money on uh, like legumes and beans and whole grains, which as we were saying before, really important for health. Um, do you have any other kind of great tips that people could take away? My parents always tell me the story about how, um, when my dad came to this country, my mom kind of had uh, a mixed 
uh, growing up. Um, so she, she was born in India, but then grew up in London uh, and had most of her education here, but she had a mixed education. So she was ferried back and forth between India. Um, and, and when they were setting up my uh, my dad's business, um, they lived on literally something like five pounds a week between them. And they would buy, they would buy like a big bag of um, uh, brown rice at the start of the week and then buy another bag of two different types of lentils. And then they would also, um, uh, like every now and then have like frozen peas or like some fresh, uh, spinach or like, you know, some, some fresh items that they'll buy in bulk. And that honestly, that's always stuck with me because, um, they were ticking off so many, so many things in terms of the principles of healthy eating that I, I have now learned a lot more about, um, by doing my masters in, in nutrition. Um, and also the, the deep dive of, uh, the literature that I looked in over the last couple of years, um, but they also made it super, super economical. And I, I have those sort of ingrained habits in me anyway. Like, for example, I'll get like a big bag of brown rice. I'll soak it for like 10 minutes or so, wash the rice, put it on, and just forget about it for about 30 minutes. And then I would allow that to cool. And then I would I can freeze that. I, I can literally put it into little bags that I reuse I put it in the freezer and, I, and I, I freeze it. And that way I've got a ready, easy to use carbohydrate whenever I'm making a meal. And the other thing um, that I think it's not really like an economical tip, but I, I think it's a way of using um, ingredients to heighten the flavor and sort of the luxuriousness of food. It's, it's using those condiments. So things like capers, black olives um, in their whole form, um, even the uh, caper berries, I think they're called the little ones with the stalk. Um, oh, really, yeah. Delicious. Yeah, but absolutely delicious. Even like um, the, the red peppers that you find in brine. If you take a little bit of that and then you add it to fresh vegetables that you can buy, you know, that that's actually a, a, like a really flavorful way. And, and you don't have to spend that much money on like, you know, getting all these fancy spices and combining them. And the other thing I say was some of the most nutrient dense ingredients are the cheapest on the shelf. Um, and the ones that come to mind are red and white cabbage, super cheap, absolutely indestructible. Um, like they'll last in my fridge for well over a week. Um, <laughs> The uh, uh, the other ones that I, I think are, are super um, economical and, and, and very high value in terms of the nutrition, um, are th- the different types of cabbages. So savoy cabbage, pointed cabbage, Chinese cabbage, um, again, super cheap. And um, they do last and they're very good in terms of nutritional value. And um, th- yeah, those I think those are my, my go-to. So I, I would suggest people like become a lot more experimental with um the different types of veggies uh, and you don't necessarily have to go for the fashionable veggies it's really about getting complexity into your diet and variety on the shopping point as well what are some of the fundamentals we talked there about like rice legumes certain veggies to buy what are some of the fundamentals for um a well-stocked kitchen sorry my my, my little dog is crying because i'm not giving her oh. attention so. oh she is so cute for those of you that can't see it's a very small almost <laughs> like butterscotch beigey little fluff ball He's very lovely. She's 10 weeks old and she's very needy. And unfortunately, even if she's sat right next to me, she'll still whimper and want attention. So, (laughs) so yeah, so it's a really good question. I I think what's really important, um, if, if you can, is to find 
a suite of different um, spices that you enjoy the taste of um, and you know how to use in terms of flavor for foods. Uh, for me, I think that the key five are um, fen- and I always use the seeds because when you have the seeds, it locks up a lot of the nutrition. You can temper them in a dry pan. It releases those essential oils. And honestly, you get a lot more bang for your buck with a, t- a teaspoon of fennel seeds versus a teaspoon of ground fennel. You, the flavor is so much more in the fennel seeds. And you can grind them if the recipe right. calls for something that's ground. So I always go for the seeds. So that's number one. Fennel seeds, cumin seeds, mustard seeds. Uh, red chili flakes is kind of like a given, really. Um, and uh, I always go for turmeric. Uh, but you can use uh, paprika if you don't like turmeric either. Um, using this suite of, of uh, those five different spices, you can actually create loads of different foods. It doesn't all need to be Indian. doesn't all need to be Asian or anything like that. You can actually do loads of different things with it. It can be Middle Eastern. It can be French. It can be all those different things. Um, so I always have at least those five. I mean, my spice cupboard is like out of control. I've got so many different blends <laughs> and different brands and all this kind of stuff um so I, i've got loads loads like that um so spices is, is key and they will last as well uh, particularly if you buy them in bulk um uh, which you can if you go to certain markets but even the like asian stores the turkish stores the other ethnic stores you know they, they buy them but so definitely go explore those because you'll get like absolute bargains from them rather than going to the major supermarkets nothing against them um the other thing is uh, getting your sort of uh, the family of vegetables like the allium family. You want your onions, your garlic, and all those different types. As long as you don't have the, the type of IBS that uh, gives you uh, issues with your digestive system by having FODMAP foods, these are incredible inclusions into your diet. So I always have garlic, ginger, um, and some sort of herbaceous plants. Um, my go-to three herbaceous plants, basil, always um parsley or coriander i'm a coriander lover not everyone is i get that but mm. parsley or coriander and uh, wildcard dill dill is one of those underutilized ingredients that goes in middle eastern cooking indian cooking as well as french cooking modern european and british cooking as well um and if you could add one it's a little bit pricey um but tarragon oh tarragon's just like phenomenal i i, I use it all the time but like yeah tarragon's not for everyone it's a little bit bougie but i i, I do like tarragon <laughs> those, those are like the the um kind of like the flavor ingredients but they do add a lot of nutritional value and a lot more complexity to your to your meals as well and then it, it goes to kind of what we were talking about with regard to the cheaper sort of nutrient dense vegetables yeah um so there'll be like the greens the red cabbages the colorful foods and the seasonal foods as well the seasonal foods will be a lot more economical too because they'll be in bulk so right now we have asparagus we have broad beans um we'll be coming into the season for the summer vegetables and a whole bunch of others so my, my dog's crying in the corner um <laughs> and uh, if you can hear her i don't know if you can hear it squeaking but yeah she's <laughs> making the most a lot heartbreaking of sound <laughs> selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> and what about then, what about protein? Because I think protein then is something that people on a plant-focused, plant-forward diet is something that people... Um, worry about getting enough of and is something that people can feel is quite expensive especially if people are used to eating meat and they're trying to cut down and then suddenly you're trying to hit the same quota with salmon say mm. rather than chicken you're going oh wow this is this is a lot more expensive um what are some suggestions for getting um good healthy proteins let's say let's go from vegan sources right through to um meat sources yeah, it's a really good point. So uh, the vegan sources are sort of the ones that we spoke about. So things like peas, legumes, beans, um, kind of – there's a whole section of my first book where I basically taught people how to prep um, whole raw beans from scratch. So azuki beans, uh, chickpeas, um, even the mung lentils and split peas as well, like split green peas, split yellow pea. Um, people just don't know how to use those. And we're really lucky because in, in, in England in particular, um, we have like a whole suite of ancient um, pulses that we don't even use, things like fava. Um, and we can even grow quinoa as well in, in the UK. So th these are things that we kind of need to reestablish a relationship with. And I challenge anyone listening to this is just to, to go to your um, your ethnic supermarket or your market or your supermarket or whatever Um and grab just one of those um, that you perhaps used before, whether it's been in a curry or whether it's been any sort of casserole, and uh, look up how to properly soak it and prepare it um, and try it. Um, just one, because it always starts with one. You don't want to get like a whole bunch and then all of a sudden you've got like this cupboard full of, <laughs> of pulses you don't know how to use. So th those are definitely the, the ones that I, I would suggest. When you actually learn to soak these things properly, often that can end up removing quite a lot of the gastric issues. Is that right? That people tend to have. Yes. Yeah. There's a. How does that work? How does that work? Yeah. So unfortunately, there's like some some myths, I guess, that are propagated by certain people who have written books on, on why no one should eat, you know, nightshades or you know, lectin-containing foods or pulses and that kind of stuff because mm. they're into the gut. What happens is you have this suite of um, 
nutrients called anti-nutrients. And it's quite an unfortunate name <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it kind of gives this, this impression that, oh, my God, I don't want these anti-nutrients. They're going to take the nutrients away from me. Whereas they can actually have some benefits in the correct amounts. Um, it's this whole paradoxical subject of uh, plant hormesis. Um, and to put it simply, it's like a little bit of bad does you some good. To put it into context, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to exercise, your exercise is inherently an inflammatory process. You're shearing muscles, mm. you're causing damage, you're causing the reaction from your body that, you know, goes to repair inflammation. But it's that reparation of inflammation, that, that repairment that actually leads to uh, greater resilience and actually overall benefits to you, your health, your longevity, your cardiovascular system, etc. So uh, people need to kind of get that into their heads. It's like a little bit bad actually distributes some good. It's the same thing with turmeric. Turmeric is, is labeled as anti-inflammatory. It's actually a mild pro-inflammatory that causes a, a reaction from your body that leads to an overall anti-inflammatory impact. Ah, so it's sort of like that with legumes and pulses. So they, they have phytates and lectins that, yeah, if you eat them raw, don't ever do that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it could, it could be fatal. Um, but if you soak them properly, you cook them, the, the level of these anti-nutrients goes down to such a level that you, they actually provide benefits to you and your, your, your bodily system, your gastric system, etc., and they're going to be far less irritant to you. Some people still have issues with it, um, and I would encourage people with those issues to work with the practitioner to uh, try and figure out what the irritants are, you know, the doses that elicits responses, and perhaps even sometimes excluding them for a small amount of time, and then gradually reintroducing at a later date. Or maybe finding alternative mm. sources that might better suit them as well. Yeah, they've got a branding problem. Yeah, it's like PR <laughs> issue there. They, they need do. a. They need they someone. Do. They need a new strategy. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So those were vegan sources. Those are now, vegan what sources. about what about well, any great veggie sources of protein? I think eggs are a great addition, and I always go for the free range uh, whole eggs um, rather than you know just the egg white, uh, which was again like another oh, yeah. trend back in the day. Sad. <laughs> I know, I know, especially like, you know, I mean, I, I'm not affiliated with them, but Burford Browns are absolutely incredible. They've got like a, a beautiful yolk and that really is testament to the quality and how well kept the chickens are. Um, mm. They're allowed to roam on um, uh, fruit, like green pastures and, and that kind of stuff. So I, th I think, you know, it's worth spending a little bit more on your animal products um, for ethical and environmental reasons, but also for the nutrient value as well. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, it's very important to get that. And th there is evidence to suggest that, you know, the uh, chickens that are um, pasture-raised uh, have better levels of uh, long-chain omega-3 fats um, and nutrients. You can tell from the colour as well. Yeah, it's nothing worse than if you see a very cheap kind of anemic-looking yolk and you can kind of guess that probably wasn't from the happiest chicken. Yeah. Um, when it comes to things like cheeses um, and, and dairy products, I'm kind of ambivalent about, you know, uh, that being a, uh, a, a source of protein that I'd want everyone to have in their, in their uh, diet daily. Um, certainly there's some evidence that dairy um, uh, containing foods uh, are, are maybe beneficial in terms of the carbon chain length with, when it comes to saturated fats. Um, however, uh, you know, I, 
I've just seen anecdotally a lot of people have issues with uh, dairy if they have it daily in the diet in adulthood. Um, kids, mm. loads of loads of kids, uh, you know, drink dairy all day and they don't have any issues. Some obviously do, and that's actually a growing issue. Um, the allergy and intolerance to things like egg and dairy and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but uh, but yeah, dairy in adulthood on a daily basis, I'm not too sure on. And I I would encourage people to really think about that as an individual and see whether they you know whether they enjoy it and whether they prefer to have cheese or dairy in their diet. It's really up to them. Um, I personally don't, but I do enjoy some cheese every now and then. Oh man, I, it's it's one of those things that you know. <laughs> I, I almost I use it as a garnish rather than as something that I like. Oh, I'm getting my protein from this big bit of halloumi here. Um, I'd rather get my protein sources from um, animal products, meats, but obviously largely um, plant-based sources that we discussed. Yeah. Speaking of plant-based sources, and I know this is definitely not a whole one, but when I am trying to save money, I'm a big culprit for basing quite a lot of my meals around veggie sausages. <laughs> <laughs> which are obviously highly processed. Um, but where do you stand on these types of um, vegan and veggie kind of fake meats that a lot of us go to for convenience? How yeah, healthy are they, actually? It's a really good point. Um, so, I, I mean, in the interest of, of uh, transparency, I will have uh, one of those veggie or vegan sausages every now and then. In fact, I think I've used some in my recipes that are on the website um, because there's a spectrum, again, of like quality sausages versus poor quality sausages, as there are in the in sort of the animal product world as well. You've got mm. some sausages that are not they're mostly vegetarian because they've got like loads of rock in it and, and, and additives and all the rest of it so again it kind of comes down to the quality of the ingredients that um they put in the, in the sausages themselves i don't really want to label one particular brand as like terrible that's fine other one but um but maybe that'll come out in like a, a women's health i don't know report on like all these different sausages you can get but what should what should people be looking for then on so without going into saying any specific brands say if i'm compare, comparing the back of labels for veggie sausages veggie burgers in the supermarket what is what should be on that list and what should be low down that list or not on that list Okay, so there's two lists that you want to look at. So you want to look at the nutritional profile and look at the fiber content. Um, so the fiber content should be, you know, really above 10, if not 15 grams per 100 grams. Um, yeah. And the protein content as well. So you really would be looking at 8 to 9 grams per 100 grams as well of those, um, if not more, if, if possible. Uh, and the other uh, list you want to look at is the ingredients list. So they usually have percentages of what they've put into the products themselves. So um, you know, there's one particular brand I'm thinking of. They'll have things like um, uh, brown grain, uh, whole grain rice, um, beets. Um, they even have things like uh, different types of legumes in there as well. Mm. Um, they'll have some fillers, but they're usually like made up of quite like good products. Um, but then, like you know, if you start looking at a few uh, ingredients, you just don't know what they are, and you know they can be like. Uh, nitrates there can be um, some e numbers and it's okay to have one or two but when it comes to like five six seven that you just don't recognize as a general rule of thumb i think there are that's something that you kind of want to avoid um there there are some ingredients like uh polysorbate 80 uh, there are some emulsifiers that can be particularly irritant to the gut lining 
that I tend to avoid. And this is why I kind of reserve those veggie sausages or any of those processed products that are trying to mimic meat um, as something that's a luxury item that you enjoy every now and then rather than something that should be a staple in your diet. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, there are things that we just don't know enough about. And I would love to say and sit here and say this particular additive, 100% not, don't have it in your diet but it's kind of like a gray area. So I take a pragmatic approach, which is, I don't know, but if I don't know, it's guilty until proven otherwise. And then moving on to fish, again, something that I spoke about when I think people are trying to cut down on meat and make their um, diets more plant-based, but also then they're, they're having fish to get enough um, protein and omega-3 can seem very expensive to people. What mm. is your what your advice for kind of getting maximum nutrition on minimal or sensible budget so um i would encourage people to try and go to their fishmongers if they can take a trip out and speak to them directly because they will know a what's in season what's hand caught etc uh what's sustainable and what's going to be the most economical as well um you can find like um real good like uh seafood stew mixtures that have actually you know lots of different types of fish in there and that can be quite economical it's usually white fish and hopefully it's sustainably caught as well um but if you're looking at um like supermarket uh, availability canned fish um like the uh, anchovies um sardines all that kind of stuff it's actually really, really good for you, A, because they they've got good levels of their long-chain omega-3 fatty acids that we know is good for brain health, is good to um, reduce the risk of things like dementia, but also um, uh, cardiovascular health and, and general inflammation levels too. So I think you know there, there are loads of ways in which you can get um, fish that I would add to people's diets if I could every single week. Um, and the way to use things like anchovies is a lot of people will think about anchovies and think about the you know the anchovies that they had with a pizza once or that they yeah. you know they had as a kid and it's like oh god what is that but if you use it like the Italians do um, as a flavoring agent um, it, it's wonderful and you'll never guess that there's anchovies in there so I use like a couple of fillets um, in oil from a can and I'll put it into the base of a, a bull base or a, a casserole or a stew when I sweat down the onions and the garlic um, and it gives uh, an umami sort of je ne sais quoi flavor to it. You just can't put your, your, your finger on it, but it's salty. It seasons your, your alien vegetables um, and it just lifts everything in the dish. It's kind of like having um, a stock cube on steroids is the only way I can really mm. describe it. Um, and if you have that with like a couple of, just a couple of other herbs, you put some fennel in there, um, maybe some mustard seeds as well. And then you add all your other uh, vegetable ingredients, a little bit of water, put the lid on. It change, changes your life, honestly. It really does. And, you, you, you know, you've got like you're using some oily fish there too. Yeah. Something that's come out of this, and I realize we're so almost up to time, um, or a little bit over, um, but something that's come out of this is, again, just how the sheer joy that you get out of cooking and that also cooking is it's kind of it's almost impossible to kind of hit this super nutrition tasty food within a budget if you're not spending some time in the kitchen so aside from your own books yeah. where would you if people are looking what cookbooks what healthy cookbooks do you love or would you recommend people go and check out uh, so the kind of cookbooks i recommended are not even um healthy cookbooks because I, I think most people know like what they should be eating 
um, it's it's about trying to um, get people to understand how to construct these meals from their, for themselves, kind of like the way I did it. So I, I didn't reach to a healthy cookbook. I, I, I used my principles of knowing how flavors work and applied that to what I know I know people should be eating. Um, and, and, and people know that they should be having three portions of fruit and vegetables per per um, uh, meal time, which sounds wholly unachievable, but something I'm working on going forward. Um, then, then it's really about flavor and actually keeping themselves on on you know the straight and narrow, making sure that they can achieve this every single day. So, one of the books that I recommend is um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat uh, by Samin Nusrat. She is an incredible, incredible chef. So Simon Nisrat's book is great. And salt, fat, acid, heat is about how when you get all those elements correct, the salt, fat, the acid, heat, you create a beautifully balanced dish. And I think that is just as important because food isn't just for function. Food is for flavor as well. And I think the reason – and we are evolutionary designed to, to – um, to respond to flavor and it, and it, and it reinforces the, the experience for us as well. So I think that's a, that's a definitely a must. Um, and the other book, uh, I would say is, um, Michael Pollan's, uh, in defense of food, um, a, a brilliant writer. You know, he also wrote the Omnivore's the dilemma. Um, and the first seven words of the book, you know, um, eat food, mostly plants, not too much, um, kind of, sums up everything that I've tried to do in my career thus far, which kind of, you know, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth, really, if you think about how much work I've put into it. He did it in in seven words. Yeah, basically did it People that have mastered brevity. I know, I know. And I'm really trying to master that myself, actually, with anything else that I put out. I mean, like the TED Talk is, you know, just one more, and the next book is three, two, one. And so everything is kind of like, okay, how do you simplify? How 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 do you make healthy eating just something that we we do going forward um and i think um you know there are a lot of ways in which we can do better and i think coming out of this pandemic period there's going to be a lot more interest in self-care too um uh, and it's great to see you know even people learning how to even though it's not the healthiest but people learning how to make banana bread or you know cakes and cookies and that that experience will stay with them. That kitchen confidence will stay with people. So if you want to bake and, you know, experiment with like super luxurious and and laborious meals, that's great because you can use that knowledge and apply it to healthy eating on a daily basis. You really can. Yeah. So much of it is, as you say, kitchen confidence, getting, getting skilled and comfortable and excited about cooking. And then that's half the battle, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Rupi, that's, so much in there if there is one thing that you would like um, people listening to take away to kind of one piece of advice that will really help them hit this goal of nailing their nutrition and falling in love with food on a budget what would it be uh so i would say it's kind of like my mantra right now to tell people um just add one more every meal time can you just add one more piece of fruit vegetable nuts or seeds at every meal time you know even if you're having uh, fish and chips can you add peas to that or if you're having a casserole or soup can you add like a, a handful of rocket or a handful of spinach you know when you add more complexity and variety to your diets this is really how we make um, a shift in our mindset and the cumulative uh, increase in the consumption of these fruits and vegetables as demonstrated by the science can have huge ramifications and benefits to our health going forward so 
if there was one parting message, I would say, you know, just can you think to yourself, can you just add one more, just add one more, just add one more. Brilliant. Super simple. And I think that's something that everyone listening, self-included, can do. And check the label on the veggie sausages. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, Rupi, thank you so much for coming on Going For Goal. No worries. My, My pleasure. And thanks to all you guys for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Rupi Orjula. I'd urge you to go check out his books, listen to his podcast. As you can tell, he's a real font of knowledge on healthy eating, nutrition, and just the joy of food. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, this show is all about helping you achieve the goals that you want to. So get in touch and let us know what they are. And then your health goal could be the focus of a future episode. All you need to do is message at Women's Health UK on Instagram with going for goal in big caps at the start of your message so we don't miss it. But that's all from me for this week. So until next week, take care, stay safe and I'll catch you soon. Bye. 